summer is officially here and this is Pressing On, a podcast where we look into truths for guys as we live on this journey of life. It's June of 2022 and it's gotten very hot and humid here in Ohio. I'm your host, Scott Lessing, prison campus pastor at Grace Church, where we have three locations in Northeast Ohio, Middleburg Heights, Homestead Falls, and our prison campus in Grafton, Ohio. Pressing On is for guys who want to go deeper as we seek God all the while finding practical insight to live differently. We will look into real life and talk through how to grow while becoming an improved version of ourselves. I wanna tell you about our friends who believe in what we're doing and want to encourage our listeners to get some great coffee. Last month we had a giveaway and actually two people emailed to grab the free coffee. So we wanna encourage you to do that this month as well. From Blackburnian Coffee, who's a micro batch roasting company based here in Cleveland. Blackburnian Coffee uses high quality, fair trade beans from farmers and importers that treat their workers with respect. We also know the owner and the roaster of this great company, Sarah Stumbo. To win a free bag of coffee from Blackburnian Coffee, simply email us at pressingon at gracecma.org. And the first person to do so wins a pound of coffee. Also, you don't have to be local to win. We'll send you the coffee wherever you're at, all around the world. Don't forget, use the, pr- the code pressing on to receive 15% off every order at blackburningcoffee.com all year long. Order yours at blackburningcoffee.com. Awesome. Well, this month's topic is going to be something that's real for all of us. It's not something that maybe you speak about Often, most people have experienced it because no one is a perfect being, though we've all experienced it at different levels. Um, Today's topic is called Flip the Lid, and we are talking about father wounds, so a little bit heavier today. Yeah, it is, and and it's even a little bit more interesting because I'm on a call-in because I got it, Jordy. I got covid from your dad? No. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I thought that was your segue. I was like, this is this is brilliant. No, that's fantastic. Let's describe something uh, personal that's a result of the way that we were raised. But before we do, I think we should introduce our, our guest for this month. Charlie Walters. If it's okay, I'm going to introduce Charlie. He's my best friend. Uh, We've known each other for a lot of years now. We met at church at Grace Church in Middleburg Heights. And Charlie is just a great guy. He's a he's a fireman. He's done a lot of different jobs over the years, but he's a great dad. He's a great husband. And I love you, Charlie. Thanks for being my friend, man. I don't have too many of them. So I appreciate you. Morning, Scott and uh, Jordy. Appreciate you guys having me on. And it sounds like I've got you pretty well fooled, Scott. I'm not all that great of a guy. Do you know the title <laughs> that I gave you years ago? No. The Renaissance Man. Because Renaissance oh. men, they had to be good in the arts, but also the manly stuff and war- fighting too. I don't know how you are in fights, but this guy builds his own decks. He does construction. He's a fireman. He also was a playwright at one time and can sing as well. And so I consider him a modern day Renaissance Man. I very much I appreciate that. I love that. That's that. great, Jordy. Thank you. That is a great title. That will forever hang in lore for you, Charlie. <laughs> I love it. I would gladly accept that. 
Yeah, I like to think Robin <laughs> loves him just a little bit more after I said that. <laughs> Let's um, hope. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, an example of a father wound, and this might help the person who maybe you don't have something that's like super in your face or obvious, but a lot is generational. We're formed by our experience in the home. And so um, for me, my father was just pretty like more, more dry. He just even killed all the time. There wasn't really crying. There wasn't real any type of feely or emotional talks. And so I thought that just kind of that spectrum of life, uh, being emotional, being vulnerable, sharing something that's personal that makes you feel weak, that that was just something that women did. And so I learned from a young age that kind of to shut that area of my life off. And so I was an emotional kid, but probably by about 9, 10, 11 years old, I was the least emotional kid that I knew. And if if something was happy and fun, that was great. I would celebrate. I'd be happy. But if something was sad, you just acted like nothing was wrong or completely normal. And it wasn't until later on in high school, I remember my bre- my best friend's parents were going through a divorce. And um, I was at another friend's house who was older and kind of mentored a couple of us. And he asked my friend how his parents were doing and started to talk to him about it. And I had no idea. And this guy hung out. We hung out together every day, but we never talked about that stuff. And his face was pink even talking about it in front of me. And it was my best friend. And that there were there were many, but that was probably my first wake up call to realizing like I am totally emotionally detached to the point that I'm not talking to my best friend about his parents' divorce. Hmm. Yeah. For me, you know, my, my dad worked a lot. Um, I didn't see my dad often throughout the week and even on weekends, you know, we had horses and six acres. So my dad was working in the yard and, you know, with the horses a lot. So I, I didn't see my dad that much and I didn't even see my parents interact a whole lot because my mom went back to school and then she had her own company. So my parents were very independent and, um, growing up, I, I wanted, I I thought a lot about marriage growing up. And so I went to my grandparents, spent a lot of time with them and it just seemed like they had a super healthy marriage and seemed like they were really in love with each other. And so I remember I wanted, I wanted to have that, you know, I didn't necessarily, want what my parents had because they were so independent and weren't with each other very often. So I wanted what my grandparents had. So I started thinking about that, you know, later, you know, in my teenage years and into college. And when I did get married to Maureen, I thought, well, that's what I want for marriage. So I remember Mo and I got into this huge fight one time and I'm going to sound like such a bad guy, but I said, uh, we, we got into this big, huge argument because like, I wanted her to, I can't even believe I'm going to say this out loud, but I wanted her to do the dishes. I wanted her to do the cooking and do the laundry. And this was the kicker. She had to enjoy doing it because that's what my grandma did. At least that's what it seemed. Right. And so there I was, I remember saying that and Maureen said, um, I think we should call pastor Mark. I mean, <laughs> it was a really bad moment in our lives, but what it came down to was, we had to start thinking through like, well, what made me think that way? Why, why would I ever think that way? I'm not a chauvinistic guy at all. I just wanted this amazing marriage. And that's what my grandparents had. You know, why didn't I want to model that after my parents? And so um, that was really one of the things that was a result of being raised by my parents. Yeah. I mean, I think 
father wounds or, or daddy issues or whatever you want to call it can take a lot of different forms. You know, for me, it wasn't quite so intellectual that I had to come to the to the point of realizing it. Mine was much more in your face because my dad was an alcoholic. He was abusive. He beat my mom. He beat all of us kids. Um, it was very much like my wounds were both very physical and very emotional. As I became a dad, like, you know, you either become your father, or you could become the opposite of your father, right? That's what they say. So for me, it was very clear from the beginning, like, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be a different kind of a person. So even growing up, it was, I'm going to create an environment where, you know, survival isn't the goal anymore. Um, it's, we're going to be better than that. We're going to be bigger than that. So just creating a space, you know, I've married 19 years, I've got three kids just creating a space where the kids don't have to escape to survive uh, for me yeah. has been like a goal uh, from the beginning. And, you know, now my kids are all teenagers. So it's, it's one of those things where they all realize, you know, things could be worse, but they don't really understand how worse they could be, how bad they could get, which is good. Yeah. Right. I don't want that. I don't really want them to understand how bad things can get. Mm. There's a lot of things that, that daddy, you know, that father wounds can, can end up, at looking like, but like I said, mine was far more on the surface and, and we did an awfully good job of hiding it. Well, I think at this point, you know, it's a, it's really important that we define, maybe put into words what a father wound is. And I mean, you know, we all come into the world helpless, right? Dependent. And we need not only acceptance, but we need love and we need to be treated as worthy by our parents. And the father wound is the absence of this love from your birth or your adoptive father. And the wound can be caused by neglect, uh, absence, like you said, Charlie, physical abuse or you know, mental, sexual, spiritual abuse. Um, it could also be from control, like oppressive domination, or it could just be s simply withholding, withholding love or, or affirmations or, 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 or blessings uh, from your children. And these, these are deficiencies that lead to you know, a, a profound lack of self-acceptance really so the effect of a father wound can be seen in you know like low self-esteem or maybe a deep emotional pain inside and a performance orientation that makes us more doers rather than beings like e even if you want to say i'm going to overcome and be different than my dad you know you're still doing uh instead of just being and you know from a salvation perspective um salvation makes us new creations in christ it doesn't, you know, necessarily address this wound that we're talking about, though, inside, and and that's the process of healing, even through salvation, right? Even once we're saved, how can we become healed on the other side of it um, as we work out our salvation, as Paul says? Yeah, and I think it's important to say too, it's 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 a whole spectrum when we talk about father wounds, and there's probably a large part of this category that it would be more fair to say even just a deficiency, if we're mm. raised from, you know, I, I have a 14 week old and when he came out of the womb, I mean, he knew nothing besides how to eat. And it, it's, you know, and when he's an adult, there's going to be deficiencies, just things that I didn't emphasize or weren't qualities that I had that maybe he needs in his life and realizes like, I never learned this in the home. And some of that could be defined as a father wound in some ways, but some of it could just say, hey, this is a competency that you didn't get at home that you've got to build on. And I think it's a maturity 
to not, you know, not to turn around and throw darts at your parents, but be able to look and say, wow, like these people, they brought me into the world in most cases, not all they, they loved and they cared and they tried at some level, um, maybe super well even, but they're also a human being. And because of that, there are things that I, I lack as a human being mm. that I need to grow in. And maybe it's a deficiency. Maybe it's something just to increase your own competency in. But I think it's a maturity to, even if your parents were incredible, to be able to look at that and say, where are some areas that I need to grow because this wasn't super well instilled at me at home? Just something that I wanted to say. We tend to have barriers that inhibit us from healing from these wounds too. And I think this is so important to talk about because these things tend to be passed down. There's a quote in the emotional health world that a parent's prohibitions become a child's inhibitions. And so let's say a parent doesn't do vulnerability because it's uncomfortable. Well, the kid, it's not as much of a choice. It's almost more of a reality. Like they feel unable to even do vulnerability and they actually have to learn and kind of venture into this uncharted territory. And and so there's a lot of things that just kind of generationally play out and they typically don't get addressed. They typically get passed down. And I've just been kind of thinking about what are some of those things that why don't we just stop and be better for our kids? Why is it so hard to do that? And four that kind of came to mind. First one is pride, just not really wanting to admit weakness either to self or before others and and kind of address the reality of having a need to change, just being like, no, I'm all right. It's fine. Especially if that was modeled. Another one is just sin. It's we're broken people and we, that we're sinful and we don't always even want to change. Maybe we grew up in a home where dad was angry and we want to be angry or, you, you know, why, why do we have to be vulnerable or sorry for something? The wound itself, there's emotional hurt. It's painful to even address those things or recognize those things or admit those things. And the other one is just lies, misconceptions about oneself or their birth father or even God. Maybe it's this belief that, you know, hey, there's nothing I can do about it. I I think a lot of times when we struggle with emotional um, just distance, that we actually think that we probably would do more harm than good. So it's better just provide, be quiet, and don't get too close emotionally because we'll probably just drag people down and depress them or, you know, let mom do that. You know, it's interesting, Jordy, when I hear those and, and look at these four things, I, I can see the that I've gone through or, or done all four of those from my father wounds. And, um, you know, I, I think we have to, you know, look back and say, okay, well, where, where does this come from even deeper, deeper than this? Right. And, a lot of times we'll call some of this stuff generational sin, right? Mm-hmm. Our father wounds end up causing generational sin. And the Bible speaks of generational sin in Exodus 20, verse 5, and it states that the the iniquities of our fathers are visited upon the sons and daughters until the third and fourth generations. Jeez. And this concept, I mean, th- this implicates that unresolved issues get handed down from generation to generation. And... We, we need to be willing to step in and, and just acknowledge it and then let Jesus be the bondage breaker, right? 
So, I mean, generational sins, it could be anything. It could be weaknesses or tendencies that are handed down from our parents uh, from generation to generation. It, you know, you, we can look back three or four generations and see that. Or it could just be, you know, behavioral patterns or ways of thinking that keep us trapped in the past. And and I would say that I've seen a lot of that being in men's ministry, a, a lot of even interpretations of Scripture that are wrong, right? And and they keep somebody trapped in a certain way of thinking. That's that's on a very low level. And then you have a very high level or, or deeper pain in our father wounds that could be, you know, sexual or financial or things like that, that really keep us trapped in a bigger way. But all of these things can be passed down through generations. But this is the key. And this is what we're going to talk about today is that each one of us are responsible for our personal sins today. Hmm. And we can break generational sin, but I believe it's a lot easier to break generational sin with Jesus than trying to do it on our own. Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons I think that we can walk confidently into a heavier topic like this, because we know for ourselves and for our listeners, if we if we really lean in close with the Lord and surrender these things, that He has the power to help us break through. Well, and, and Jordy, one of the reasons, real quick, one of the reasons why, you know, as we were talking about the topic today, I was like, you know, Charlie Walters would be a great guy for this, is because I've been walking with Charlie for probably 18 years now as friends and I've really seen Charlie lean in and Charlie, you've done a, an amazing job of not only identifying the father wounds, some of them are very obvious. Like you said, physical abuse is obvious. Um, but even some of the less obvious ones with some of the emotional and mental abuse that, that you, that you incurred as a child and teenager, you've done a great job of leaning into the Lord and turning to him and allowing him to not only ident- help you identify some of these things, but to say, I don't want to live this way anymore. And and I, I do want to break this bondage that I've been exposed to and, and that has maybe even controlled parts of my life. And I want to give those over to the Lord. And, and you see what I've watched you do is, you know, that sanctification process we talk about, you know, becoming more and more like Jesus on a daily basis. What's the next area you're going to give to him? Um, and you're going to make that area number one in your life. And and you've done a really good job of that with some of the stuff with the father wounds that you've experienced. So um, with that, let, let's let's jump right into, you know, some of the causes, the reality that we see today. Before we go on, Scott, stories. Yeah. before we move on there, I, I want to appreciate, uh, just let me comment. I appreciate you, you saying that stuff. It, it's like, m- you know, my dad wasn't a nice guy and it was really hard for me to point out where he tried hard, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you guys, you know, you talk about your dad's like, yeah, you know, he worked really hard and he did all these things and I ended up with these wounds. Like it, it was really, it took a long time before I could say, yeah, my dad tried hard. Um, I always saw him for the longest time as, as my dad really screwed up. And you mentioned like leaning in. These things are not easy to lean into. This is very, very yeah. uncomfortable for somebody um, who may be listening going, yeah, but see, my dad was this way or yeah, but my dad was this way. And, and my answer to that would be like, look, we're men, right? We're men and we are expected to love people the way Christ loved the church. And Christ leaned into the discomfort. Christ leaned into the pain and the struggle. And it would be awfully tough for us to say, yeah, we're men but I'm not going to be uncomfortable. 
So I think that for anybody who is maybe listening or thinking about like, well, yeah, but see, my situation's different. Look, man, I've probably been through just about anything you've been through, and I was able to do it. So the the discomfort is hard. It's uh, It takes a long time, but we're built to work. We're built to lean into the discomfort. We're built to bear some of the burden for this, and that's... That's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. It's why we are the way we are so that we can persevere and endure through these things through the power of Christ who lets us, you know, push through. So I would encourage anybody who's listening or thinking about these issues. Hey, look, just get started. Okay. Just, just think about what do I have issues? That may be even the first question. Are there issues here that I need to think about? Some kind of introspection needs to occur before any other healing or, 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 you know, help can occur. The first question has to be me. Look inside and say, do I have a problem or is there an issue here that needs to be addressed? Because without that question, none of this other stuff is going to happen. Well, and Char, I mean, that's, that's the story of redemption, right? I mean, Jesus calls us into this relationship with the Trinity, with, with God. And, and when we do, he says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. And that, that's part of this. Like we have to be even willing to say, yeah, I am hurting. And I do realize there's some issues going on in my life from my past, from maybe my, my wounds of my parents. And the first thing is to try to understand the cause, right? So once we get to that point where we can come to the Lord and begin to talk about it, we have to kind of dive into the cause of our story. So what caused, you know, our stories, Jordy, let's start with you. What, you know, talking about your, your mom and dad and your dad specifically, do you know what the cause was for him? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's fascinating. The more, the longer I'm in church and seeing people's, seeing people wreck their lives, but also build their lives back together and just getting a window into people's stories of origin and where they came from. It's hard to even like, you know, you see the mistakes people make and you're almost like, wow, I could see why you did that, you know, and there's a sense of like, oh no, but there's also this sense of compassion for my dad. His dad left when he was like five and his mom was an alcoholic. And so mm. my dad was present. He was an incredibly hard worker. Like like his work career is super just impressive what he came from and where he's at now. And he was super self-sacrificial. And so my dad's dad ran away, owned some cool sports cars that he kept in storage. Like he had means, but then his mom was an alcoholic and he grew up with a lot of siblings kind of in that tough reality. And so he was very much the opposite of that. And he didn't know what it looked like for a dad to be present. And so for him to show up, like, you know, he killed it. That's amazing. Well, I, I know for me, you know, like I said, my dad was um, kind of an introvert and he was isolated. He worked a ton. Sounds like your dad, Jordy. Um, I, I've done a lot of research on my family history and my great grandfather, he orphaned my grandpa. My great grandfather, he left the family after he came to know Jesus. Like, this is so, it's such an oxymoron, right? Like, he comes to know Christ, he leaves the family to be a preacher in California. And my grandfather was six years old when his dad left. 
And so grandpa Bob was raised by his mom and he had this huge gap, you know, he had no father. It was a, like in many ways, uh, a father wound, you know, he was orphaned literally. And he ended up having three kids with my grandma and, um, but he was also a world war two army vet, which that throws a whole another wrench into it because that made him even more isolated. And essentially my grandpa, my grandpa was a father, but had no example good or bad. And he was doing it all by himself, all alone. And as an introvert, especially with no example, that made it really tough. So my dad just did the best he could. I remember my dad saying to me that he just wanted to be better, a better father than his dad was. Right. And, and he had a couple concepts that he wanted to really be good at. And I think my dad did a great job at, at doing those. Uh, but he had a tough, my dad had a tough road uh, because his dad did it with no example. So um, that's really the cause of my dad uh, being the way he was. How about you, Chuck? Yeah, I mean, I think it is important to address these questions. Why was my dad the way he was? You know, my father, same kind of thing. He was a hard worker and his career was number one to him for most of his life. But where does that come from, right? I mean, I think, you know, you you talk about men born to the greatest generation the 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 world war ii vets come home they have these babies the baby boomers grow up thinking that you know hard work is the answer um and that's a very big generalization i know that i understand that but that's the way my dad grew up and so yeah he grew up with a dad who had been injured at working at a steel mill so he was blind my grandpap was blind in one eye and he was also a pretty gentle guy my my grandfather my grandmother, who he was married to, was a pretty oppressive and abrasive woman. So my dad grew up in a home that was very, very poor, dirt floors, and with a very strong, oppressive woman. So it makes sense that when my dad gets to the point where he's older and able to make his own choices, he may have said to himself, yeah, I'm never going to have dirt floors, I'm always going to have money, and I'm never going to have a woman overpower me. So he became the negative of the strong male archetype. Not that I don't know that he chose to be the negative, but I'm sure alcohol played a part in it. He, his younger brother passed when, when he was young. So he had some trauma in his life as well. Uh, but none of that stuff was really addressed, right? Um, he just grew up isolated, kind of like what you guys are saying. He was the only one of his four siblings, uh, excuse me, three siblings. There was four of them. The only one who ended up leaving that small mountain town in Pennsylvania Everybody else just stayed there, but he worked his way out through education, through hard work. Uh, I think he was the only, at the time, he was the only one that got a college degree and he ended up getting three. So again, he, he had goals and he had a mindset of what it would mean to be successful. He just went about it in a pretty, what we would call now, a pretty negative way. I think I think one of the things that we also have to address because, you know, maybe maybe our dads might listen to this or there might be a dad who's listening to this and his kids are our age. Right. And he might be saying, wow, like, are you guys just dogging on your dads? And, and the answer is no, we're trying to figure it out. Right. Like we're trying to figure out why, why do we have father wounds and everybody does some are deeper than others. But I think one of the things that we need to like acknowledge and just in a healthy way say, you know, this is not all of our dad's fault, right? How much of this is our dad's choices and how much of this is just, this is what happened to them. This is the way 
environment they were raised in or whatever. So I think we need to just kind of acknowledge there's some things that cause maybe caused our dads to be a certain way, or maybe they had wounds that they never addressed. Um, what do you guys think about that? Yeah. One thing I think about, I w- there was a moment where I was sitting in my office and I was working on content for a three week seminar for families. And I wrote this phrase down and it, it didn't fit the topics we were going over in that seminar. So I saved it. I'm saving it for a future conference. And I wrote down just super explicitly that parenting punishes your kids for everything wrong with you. And I think you could you could throw marriage in there too. And I, I wrote it in a super kind of explicit way on purpose to to kind of grab attention and then to give some disclaimers that clean it up a little bit. But I do think the people closest to us, they feel the weight and the blessing of everything we are and also the pain of everything we are not. And we're all broken people. And when I wrote that down, I didn't see all these other people that I like wanted to point the finger at and be like, so get better. I I just kind of took this gulp, you know, and I'm like, wow, I'm having a kid and I'm married and my wife feels the weight of who I am and who I'm not. And so will my kids. And yeah, it's still a gift for me to show up even though I'm broken. And it's the, the, benefit of knowing that and recognizing that I think it's sobering and it's humbling. Like when you just, when you accept a reality like that and look at a hard truth like that, I think that it corrects your posture and it puts me in a place before the Lord that I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like we got to work fast, God, you know, prune my heart, give me patience. There's this, it puts me in proper posture. And that's why I'm really you know, I'm looking forward to opening a parenting conference, just kind of sitting in that truth is because I think that there's a posture that we can take that because the big disclaimer that I want to put at the end of that phrase, what would be on the next slide is to start with, you know, if we don't address it and then talk about what does it look like to really, to really heal and address our shortcomings and to be as much like Christ as we can be to the people around us. My wife and I were talking to uh, Jonathan and Mary the one day and uh, about our kids and their struggles and all these things, and, and Jonathan said, look, your, your job as a parent is not to raise godly children. Your job is to be a godly parent. Hmm. And so in a way, that's freeing to me because, yeah, uh, because then essentially at that point, it's like, okay, like Jordy said, all right, I've got a lot of work to do. I've got to work on myself. I've got to ask questions about why I do the things I do. But at the same time, ultimately, you know, we're going to do everything we can in the power of Christ, but our children are going to be who they are. And so they're, ki- they're people, just like we are people, just like our fathers were people or are people. And so, you know, we, we can't change what our fathers did to us. We can't change what our fathers went through. And we can't change who our children are. We can change, however, what they experience. And so I think it's important to understand that we have work to do on ourselves, but ultimately these kids belong to uh, God, and he's loaned them to us. Yeah, and you know some of the things that, that our dads went through, and you could even put that on, on us too, right? Like some of the things that we've gone through, um, it, it's not our choice. It wasn't our fault necessarily. It wasn't our dad's faults, you know, some of the the culture that they grew up in or the choices that their parents made to live a certain way. 
some of it, I mean, they, they, di they didn't know what to do sometimes either, right? I mean, the resources that we have today are much different than what our parents had when they were raising us. And, you know, they, they didn't have the research and all the other things that we have today. So there's a, there's a point where we have to say, okay, yes, we're going to evaluate how we were raised and some of the things that we went through, some of the wounds that we have. But grace is needed on our parents. So like we have to pour grace upon grace upon grace on them and ourselves as well, right? So there's sometimes, I even look at my kids who, you know, Carter's graduated, now he's getting ready to go to college. Callie's going into 11th grade. And I made some mistakes along the way. And I'm like, man, I, we need to have grace on ourselves too as parents, uh, knowing that we're not perfect. But Jordy, going back to your statement that parenting, if I were to just change it just a little bit, parenting has the potential to punish our kids with everything that happened to us yeah. um, or everything that we are not, right? And there's that potential. And that's that next slide that you were talking about. If you address these things, then you may not, it might not be a punishment to your kids. It might be an incredibly healing and freeing thing for your kids, right? Yeah, I know for me, um, my parents' marriage hit the point where it was, the reality came where my, my mom didn't feel connected to my dad. And my dad was like, well, I'm, I'm present, I'm here, I show up, I sacrifice. And so it was real, and it was a little more complicated than that, but it was really tough. And there was even a time of separation. And I watched my parents work that out. And I watched them both kind of surrender things they were holding on to and grow in certain areas. And I watched my dad really overcome that emotional distance. And for me, that paved a road for me to do the same thing and for me not to follow down that path. And so you, from my, from my grandfather, who I've only met and seen one time, to, to me, you know, because of my dad's work and because of his efforts, I get to not pass that down to my son. Yeah. And he paved a way for, for me to see that path and what it looks like. And we're, we're all at, we, we know, we all come in in different parts of that story and some of us have to do heavier lifting than others. And I'm really grateful for the lifting that my dad did. Well, I think this is a great place to point out too, Jordy, that we cannot be good dads unless we are good husbands. If we are, mm -hmm. if, if we are uh, married in relationship right now, it is vital that we understand how to relate to our wife um, in order to be able to set an example for our children, whether we have boys or girls, sons or daughters, doesn't matter. Um, and even if we're not in a marriage, maybe the divorce has already happened or something like that, um, the, there can be an immense amount of pain in a divorce, or there can be a relationship that's amicable. And a child can learn from that as well. My parents divorced when I was 10. Um, and a lot of the pain I have towards each parent now, as a 42-year-old man, a lot of those wounds occurred after the divorce because mm. of the way they treated each other, the way they talked about each other. You know, Whether you're still married, in a marriage, not married yet, after divorce, whatever it may be, treating that other person, that other parent, with a level of respect teaches your children how to, one, be treated, what to expect as, as treatment, and also how to treat another person. So your dad overcame some emotional distance. He put in the hard work. He did some heavy lifting, Jordy, and 
you're the better man because of it, hmm. right? I never saw a whole lot of work from either one of my parents uh, regarding their treatment of each other. And so it took a long, long time for me to understand how, how exactly do you treat a person, a woman, this person I like, or do, you know, how much do I accept as pain or, or fault or hurt? And how much do I give? And how much, how, how do I receive love? Because I never saw that either, right? <laughs> so it was just one of those things where regardless of your situation as a dad, you can always be teaching your children how to be kind, how to love another person. Yeah, I, I've saw humility go a long way too. Uh, an example of this, I have a couple, I have a student who their mom is like very suspicious, goes through their technology a lot. And I'm not saying that that's unacceptable at all times or anything, but there's this paranoia. And the reality is that the, the, the parents are divorced and the dad cheated on the mom a lot and and also had pornography addictions. And the kid actually knows that about the parents and the mom is kind of humble and open about the story, but still striving to be a good mom. And I watched that kid take his mom's paranoia on the chin very well. And he has so much grace for her because he understands the story of origin and because the mom is humble but also making a lot of effort, there's some grace there. And I th I think I, I could go on story after story, but I think sometimes when a parent comes in with that, because I told you so, I'm the parent, just total like, this is not an open dialogue. I have it together. You don't because you're the kid. There's a lot less grace and there's a lot more sting to those quirks. But the parents who come in with humility and, you know, obviously you can't sit down with your five-year-old and explain everything. But when you have a teenager and you're starting to rub against each other and they get to understand you a little bit, I think it goes a long way. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the reason I have a good relationship with my dad today is because he did something similar to the woman you're talking about, Jordy. When I was 23, my dad... I mean, here's a guy who's fighting being a distant father. He wants to be a better dad, but he doesn't know how to. And he's just doing the best job he can, right? And so I was 23. I just came to know Christ. And I got home at like midnight one night, and we got to talking. And here we are standing in the kitchen at midnight. Both of us are bawling our eyes out because I'm, I'm sharing with him the pain that I experienced as a kid with my dad not being around that much, feeling like, well, do you love me? Do you care about me? And I said those things to my dad, right? And then my dad's bawling his eyes out, and he's saying, I had no idea how to take care of a kid who was so different than me. You were, you know, compassionate. You were, you know, kind and gentle and and sensitive, and I didn't know what to do with you. You know, and so he was honest about it, but he didn't he didn't hurt me in the way he said it. But from that moment on, I it was like this flip for me where I ended up having grace on my dad. And it uh, allowed us then to have these amazing conversations. Like I started asking my dad, like, hey, how's, how's your relationship with mom? Like, where are you guys struggling? And we're still doing that today, right? But it was because my dad opened up. He was honest. He was humble. And he wasn't afraid to say, you know, I know that I suck in some areas in your life. 
as your dad. And I'm really sorry about that, you know, and because of that, I think the result for us today is that we have this great relationship. My dad's still not a perfect man. I'm not a perfect dad or husband, but we're striving to become the best that we can be because of Christ. Right. And that's, I mean, that's the point of our podcast, but that's really what I'm seeing in my dad's life. And that's, you know, he's encouraged me to do the same in my life. And not everybody has that though. Right. Yeah. I think uh, Jordy, you mentioned humbleness and it sounds like Scott, your dad finally kind of broke through that barrier when you were 23. I don't think you have to wait till they're teenagers or 23 to show a level of humbleness, especially, you know, when we mess up and we know we mess up, we're all very aware, or at least should be very aware of, you know, when we make bad decisions or make mistakes. Every parenting book that I've ever read, and I've read a lot because I don't know what I'm doing, (laughs) every parenting book that I've read say it's okay to apologize to your kids. So even when they are five, you may not have to explain the whole situation about why you are the way you are, but you can show humbleness by saying, hey, you know what? I messed up. Dad messed up. And I'm really sorry. Can you forgive me? And even just that will start to lay the foundation for showing grace to each other and having an honest relationship with each other as your kids grow up. Yeah. You know, I, I think one of the things that we need to just acknowledge is that it's hard, isn't it? I mean, when I, I don't know about you guys, but when I was younger, I, I thought, you know, I knew a lot more than my dad did. And once I hit my middle 20s, I realized that my dad knew a whole lot. And now I'm sitting here saying, wow, you know, it's hard being a dad. It's It's really tough being a husband. And, you know, there's a lot of things that we have to work through and some of it is, uh, you know, like today we, we have to address the father wounds. We have to address the wounds that maybe we've caused maybe as a husband or as a friend um, or even to our kids. And, you know, in doing so, I think it's really important that we seek God, right? Seek God, seek the face of God. Psalm 67, the first two verses, the promise is that when we seek the face of God, what happens? We reflect the Lord to other people. So when we do that, when we seek the Lord in these things, we have grace on people. We love people well, and we can apologize for our struggles and the things that are deficiencies where we're not great. Um, I know that, you know, I have a friend who has said to her kids, you know, like, I want you to know that you have permission um, to talk to me about the things, the pain that I've caused you. And and I think it's important that we not only do that to our kids, but do that to our spouses, do that in our friendships or even our, in our leadership so that we can continue to strive to become the better version of ourselves tomorrow, but better than we are today, you know? Absolutely. And maybe acknowledging some of these realities today has been painful. I think it's mm-hmm. fair to say that the truth is the weight that that you kind of feel when you talk about this, even if it's suppressed, you've already been carrying it. And there's a freedom. And actually, even though it's painful on the front end, there's a freedom we feel when we move beyond our brokenness or when we go back and kind of work those things out and talk through them at a later time. And so we bring these things up knowing that we have a God that fills in the gap between where we are and where God wants us to be. Yeah. And just to wrap up first, Charlie, Thanks so much for coming on. Um, 
you know, sharing your story and, you know, sharing, you know, where you're at today. And I, I just want to encourage you as my, as my best friend, man, you, you've taken so many strides and you are, you, you truly live out what our podcast is about in Philippians chapter three, that you are a better version of yourself today than you were even yesterday. And, and I'm, I'm just, I'm grateful that, that I can call you my friend, man. Oh man, I love you, bro. Jordy, I love you too. Thanks for guys. Thanks Thank guys for having me on. And of course, if anybody, you know, wants to hear more, there's a whole lot more, uh, that's gone into my story, but, um, it would take up probably all the seasons of your podcast. But, um, if, uh, yeah, I'm always op- an open book for anybody who wants to talk about it. And if you want to do that, just, uh, email us at pressing on at gracecma.org and we can uh, get you in touch with Charlie. If, if that's something you would like, because Charlie's definitely helped me a lot as a dad. Um, he's helped me have grace on myself in the areas that I've messed up, but also, he, you know, a great source of encouragement that, you know, I'm, hey, you are a better version uh, and you're doing exactly what your dad did. You're better than your dad was as a dad. And that's what your dad wanted for you as well. So, uh, Char, thanks, man. We really appreciate it. I love a Christian psychologist, Robert Enright, said in his book, he says this. You're more than the father wounds that you've suffered. Your father is more than the wounding behaviors that he gave to you. You both share being wounded. It's my hope that both of you can share in healing. And that's really what you know. we hope for all of our listeners, um, even the 18% of our listeners that are women. We, we hope the same for all of us, that we can all heal from the wounds that have been given to us. Um, so with that, I just want to encourage you guys, you know, take those next steps to become the better version of yourselves tomorrow by by uh, walking alongside other people, by being in a great church, diving into the word of God and really seeking the Lord Jesus in all that we do, especially in our healing, because Jesus is our healer and he has promised that and he wants us to come to him in the midst of our wounds. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next month. Bye.